Right, I'll try not to knock it off. <laughs> um, as most of you have heard, uh, we've had some sickness going around. And so uh, last night, when the score, I believe, was 35-14 to 14 in a very boring ball game where OU was getting blown out, I uh, uh, returned a phone call. And uh, um, I was asked, hey, would you be willing to teach tomorrow morning service? And I started to laugh, and then I'm like, um, okay. So here I am. So uh, um, I've, I've had, uh, um, you know, I'm like, well, what do you want me to teach on? What is it that you want me to do? And he's like, well, what have you been studying, you know, whatever it is? And, and I was thinking about that, and I'm like, well, I've been sick the past week. Uh, Christmas, you know, I wasn't feeling well and everything. And, and um, most of the time I was more complaining to God than actually studying about him or, or, or anything because, you know, why do I have to feel like this? This is Christmas holiday and I have this week off and, ugh, you know, and then there was times where my biggest prayer was that I could go and get off of a phone call so that I could go watch Octonauts with my son so I could fall asleep. One of the joys of uh, um, watching some of these cartoons with my kids is that it's nap time for dad. So, uh, um, um, you know, I was like, well, I don't know how to preach that into a, uh, a sermon lesson. And, and so I uh, um, started thinking about <clears throat> what I do throughout the week. Um, and on uh, uh, Thursdays, um, I teach a class at the House of Mercy. In the House of Mercy, um, right now we have about 40 people. Um, that uh, um, are homeless, that are um, from multiple different situations in life, um, whether or not it was a drug addiction, whether or not it was alcohol, whether or not it was uh, 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 an abuse situation. However it's come about, they come to the House of Mercy, we have a bed for them, and then we also have uh, uh, meals. Um, and then uh, um, overall, there's a program that we go through that uh, lasts a year. And the design of this is how is it that we, um, we call it a Christian Development Center. Okay, and so we've had, uh, I think we're about 25 graduates now in the two years um, that have gone a full year um, of living there and uh, um, re-devoting their life to something different than what they were doing before. Um, um, <clears throat> I would love to say that every one of them become a believer and that they're Christians and that they're moving forward in, in, a, in, in a godly life, um, but I can't say that. Um, what I can say is that we've had changes, um, and we've seen people, um, several of them, that their life has flipped a 180, and that we do see God working in their lives. We've also seen people leave and struggle and go back to what they were struggling with before they left. So, uh, um, but it's a joy um, to be there, and it's a joy to interact in their lives, and, and, and I got a class that they're... Um, uh, have to be at um, on Thursdays at four o'clock that I get to teach the biblical basics of, of, of life and, and about God. And, uh, and so uh, um, I am going to take and fill you in a little bit with what we're doing um, uh, there because that's sort of where my mindset is. And every time I tried thinking of something to come up here and 
talk to you guys about it kept on bringing me back to there and uh, um, so uh, that's where we will will be at and and the question that is uh, the topic of this lesson is um, what is your world view of God and so with that let's just open up in prayer dear Heavenly Father Lord we just thank you for today we just thank you for the blessings that you've given us. We thank you for sickness. We thank you for a time that uh, um, you call us that we have to uh, um, be dependent on you, that, our, that you remind us that our bodies are weak, but you are strong. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for uh, the joy that you give us. I just thank you for, for uh, the things that you've done in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for sending your son that we were able to celebrate this uh, uh, past Wednesday, the birth of Jesus. Lord, we just thank you so much for all that you're doing. And I just ask, Lord, that the, the words and anything that comes out of my mouth, Lord, that all it does is glorify you. That it uh, uh, gives you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So in this class, I would, uh, um, uh, we were going through 1 Peter. And uh, um, as we're going through, you, you, you read that uh, uh, the letter was written to five churches and those that were chosen. And so we looked at the word chosen. We looked at the, um, you know, the in-depth of what these uh, doctrinal things meant. And, and uh, as we're going through, we're looking at uh, um, uh, the joy that we are going to have in heaven and though for a little while here on earth we're going to go through situ um, through trials and tribulations and and uh, we looked at some of the trials and tribulations that they were going through because this is the time of Nero and uh, um, and we read up a little bit and looked at a little bit of the history of how the church was being persecuted at that time um, and then uh, um, we got to verse 13 where um, we talked about having a sober mind and, and the idea of a, a sober mind is one that's not emotionally bound, but one that is even killed, that we can go through our life evenly. And, and it made a big impact, that made a big impact in, in a lot of people because they looked at it and went, man, every decision I make is either up or down, up or down, you know, instead of going even. You know, and so... Uh, um, uh, we had uh, some good conversations there, and, and, and then as we started going along a little bit further, I kept on hearing things along the lines of, well, my God's not like that. Well, my God's, you know, doesn't require me to, to desire him like, like this. And, and, and the more I heard and the more we opened up in conversation, um, the more I found out that everybody has a different viewpoint of who God is. And without having that um, being together and being taught the same doctrine all the way through, everybody has a little bit of a different viewpoint. Just like each and every one of us have a different world view. Okay? Because each and every one of us have been through different situations. Each and every one of us have different things that have taken place in our life that we have a different worldview. And that's sort of the beauty of being able to gather together as a body and be able to share those things. Because there's things that have happened in your life 
that I would never understand until you told me or until I experienced it. There are things that are happening in people's lives. And so, so we look at it and sit there and go, but what is the worldview? And the beauty of the Bible is that the Bible is written from God's viewpoint. And this is one of the things that was hard for, for this group to understand. And, and as we're going through it is that it's not, we, there is no second opinions. Chapter 5 where it says, and Justin Pike will do, there is nothing in there. It is written from God's viewpoint by God. And so we got to come to Scripture knowing that it is God's worldview that we are looking at. And he describes himself in Scripture. And he tells us who he is. And a lot of times we look at it and sit there and go, hey. Um, and, and so I asked, started asking the question, who do you think God is? And uh, it was wonderful because uh, we had a lot of the Sunday school answers that, that, that came out, you know, and it was, it was joyful because you sit there and go, well, God is holy. He's just. You know, you had, he's the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. And you're like, oh, you know, he's my father, one person said. Ooh, he's love. He's hope. Joy, and you look at this, and you, and and you see people smiling, and you see see the 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 the, the um, people, you know, that they're they're getting into it, and they get a little bit excited about about who God is, and you know, He's omnipotent, He's all knowing, and, and and we went on for about five minutes and five ten minutes, and we're discussing these things, and I'm like, okay, that is true. But what about the hard points of who God is? And so <clears throat> this is where people started to have issues with the God of the Bible. And so what I just wanted to bring to you is, is, is you know, and, and, and to ask you is, is, who is your God? Is it the God of the Bible? Or is it the God of your imagination? And so I started asking them that same question. Who is God? He defines it inside of scripture. All the information we need to know is in here. And so um, <coughs> we looked at it. And... Uh, um, First thing, I brought up six different things, because that's all that the hour allowed for. Um, um, and so we're just going to go over those six different things, um, and we're going to go through five of them rather quickly. And then on the sixth one um, is the one that I'm going to tell you that I struggle with. I've struggled through these other ones, but the sixth one is the one that I still struggle with. Okay? And that's the reason why I wanted to bring this to you, so that you can struggle along with me. Aren't I joyful? <laughs> and so the, the first thing that we had is God is the author of salvation. And, and, and that was a struggling point for many people. Um, I had one guy raise his hand and go, but I'm a full-grown man. 
I can believe and do whatever I want to do. And, and I looked at him and went, oh, okay. But can you do anything for God? Well, yeah. and then he stopped and went, no, because all my works are going to be like filthy rags to God. There's nothingness to God. I can't do anything for God. I'm like, okay. So who is the author of salvation? And, and that was one of the struggle points, but it was very quickly overcome. People were looking at it going, well, that has to be God. Well, why? We turn to Hebrews 5, um, 9. If you guys want to turn with me there right now, we're going to be flipping around just, just a little bit. Um, and and i got to apologize that Hebrews 5.9 And having been made perfect, he became to all those um, who obey him the source of eternal salvation. In the King James it says he became the author of salvation. Now I pointed it out to the one point there that yes, God is the author of salvation, but also who is the author of salvation to? To those who obey him. And that, that, that was sort of a catching point. And they were like, oh, so we have to be obedient in order. Yes. To those who obey him, he is the author. God is merciful and just. What does that mean? And, and we had several people. Um. um are, are we, we, we discuss this. If God is all justice and God is, is just, then when you sin, do you get what you deserve? Well, my God would never, never hurt me for or, or send me to hell because I did this. Well, my God would never, you know, and you're looking at him going, well, is that the God of the Bible or is that the God of your imagination? And a lot of them looked at me and went, oh, I don't like this God of the Bible as much as I did when we first started this lesson because he was just love and joy and, 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 and the excitement to, that you have and all the good that he is. But then when we have to turn it around and we have to look at our sin and sit there and go, Oh, but who am I to deserve that? And so we looked at God's mercy and, 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 and that it's because of the mercy of God, not because of his justice that we can stand before him. And, and, and I'm just glancing over that, and I think that most of you know the story of Jesus and why he came for our salvation and everything, so we don't have to get into that. We'll just move on just a little bit. Um, number three was another hard one, <clears throat> and that is God disciplines his children. And I heard, what? I'm like, yeah, God 
disciplines his children. Well, my God doesn't discipline. My God only loves. I'm like, but that's not the God of the Bible. Well, well, but my God, I'm like, I'm not going to argue with who your God is. But that's not the God of Scripture. Because God says in Hebrews um, uh, 4, 5, and 6, and, and, um, and on here it says in 4, uh, In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. You have completely forgotten the word and the encouragement that has been addressed to you as the father addresses his son. It is said, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves, and he chastises everyone he accepts as his son. Enduring hardship as discipline, God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? And so I looked at it, and they're looking at me and going, man, I don't know about that. God doesn't discipline me. And I looked at him and go, oh, yeah, he does. I'm like, this right here is proof of it. You got to sit in a class and listen to me for an hour. You don't have freedom to leave. And they looked at me, yeah. I'm like, I don't have to be here, but you do. And you got to listen to me. sort of brought some chuckles and laughter in there and and, and so uh, um, um, uh, and, and, and I'm like furthermore what are you doing here if your God's all loving and all these things why don't you have millions and billions of dollars and going and partying and doing the things that you've got to do and want to do well I'm like, because he cares enough about you that he puts you here at your lowest points so that you can come and you can hear about him. And they just went quiet. But my God disciplines me. He makes me struggle. Because in that struggle, it's the only time I grow. I always tell people that, um, when I'm, when I'm looking at them and they're struggling, I'm like, praise God. They're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, it's, it's awesome that you're struggling because you're growing. I get to watch you grow before my eyes. You're growing up. And they're just looking at me like, what? I'm like, because if you were comfortable, you'd be back doing everything that you were doing before. Here's how I know that. Because when I get comfortable, I quit reading my Bible. I quit being in communion with God. I quit all the th all the things that you do when you're uncomfortable and you're going through a stress. You're constantly praying. You're constantly in communion with God. You're constantly reading. You're constantly doing because you're growing. But as soon as I get comfortable, it's like, oh, we don't need to go to church for this week. We, we just take a break. All right, then the next day you do the same thing, you know, and, and, and it, 
you miss yeah. a few devotion days, you miss a few times, you sit there and, and, and you allow yourself to watch something or do something that you normally wouldn't do because you start getting comfortable. When I'm uncomfortable, I'm growing. When I'm uncomfortable, God has me. When I'm comfortable, a lot of times it's just about me. And my focus is all about me. And what I want, my, my, my little petty desires. Another one that just absolutely blew their mind was that God is sovereign. And you look at it and sit there and go, well, what does that mean? And we can get into the whole theological, but we're not going to go there. Um, uh, but what we did look at is, is, is you start looking at uh, um, um, Scripture, and it says all things were created by him and for him. Um, and we looked at several other, oh, just a second. Um, you know, uh, verses, there's over 60, there's 66 verses that I can um, sort of picked out. Um, we're not going to go over all 66, and I'm not going to have you flipping all over the Bible, but I'll, I'll just read a couple of them. Um, Psalm 135.6, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all the depths. Psalm 15.3, but our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Talk about blowing some people's minds. That was one of the hardest concepts is that they're not in control of everything. It was one of the hardest things that I had to learn and to give up. That everything is a gift from God. And I am living, I am breathing the things that... that just being able to be existing right now is a gift from God. And I should be thankful for it. It should drive me to love Him more. Because I couldn't be here if it wasn't for Him holding me together. And so the sovereignty of God, we, 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 we went into a little discussion on this. And, and is there anything that God didn't do, doesn't have control of? They're like, well, God doesn't force us to sin. I'm like, that is correct. He doesn't force you to sin, but yet he uses your sin to glorify his name. Well, in other words, he allows us to sin, and then he uses the outcome of that sin to glorify him? Yep. Yep. And we went through some examples inside of Scripture. David, Bathsheba, the next king that came in line, Solomon. You know, and you look at it and sit there, and, 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 and we, we looked at several other um, examples of it, and, and we don't have time to go through all those things uh, um, today. 
but uh, um, I, I think that you guys can think about some of them of, of, of how he's used the sin of man, but yet it still glorifies him. And that God is sovereign when you look all throughout the Old Testament and how he's taking care of his people. And so it was, it was one of those things where, where you saw people just sort of going, man, this is a whole different image of who God is. This is completely different than what I thought I understood. Some of these people have never been to Sunday school. You know, um, they've been to church a few times. Some of them have been to Sunday school and to church and been, been uh, you know, as, as one pastor put it, he had a drug problem. He was drugged to church on Sunday morning, drugged to church on Sunday evening, drugged to church on Wednesday, you know. And so uh, um, some of them have been through that, where they've been to church. They know all the church talk. They know all what you want to hear. But yet they've never heard that God was sovereign. And they tried to picture that and to put that in their own lives, in their own mind. You can just see their heads just starting to explode as they're, as they're, they're, they're getting here. And the last one that we had, or no, I got one more to do. <clears throat> um, and this is the other one that really, really made people's heads explode. And, and, and I had to bring this one out because I like being confrontational. Um, I like to have people challenge. I like to have uh, um, uh, that conversation, and I knew that this one was going to be that blowback of conversation. Um, and that's, you know, and, and I stated it this way just to make it uh, even more appealing to that. Um, and that's the God of the Bible hates. Whoa. You can imagine what that did. All of a sudden, it's like, not my God. No, not my God. My God doesn't hate anything. It says my God is love. My God is, is hope. He's peace. That is who my God is. I do not believe. I had this one lady going, I do not believe God hates because that's a sin. I'm like, okay, okay. Well, then should we go to scripture? Well... No, because I just can't believe you know anything else. I'm like, okay, well, let's let's definitely look at what Scripture has to say. And so, uh, um, you know, the 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 first one that I that I went to was um, um, I think it is you know of course I it's either Songs or Proverbs um, uh, six. Um, 6, 16 through 19, where it says there are six things that God hates, seven that he, uh, um, well, let, let me just find it here. What's that? Proverbs. So it would be Proverbs um, 6, 16, or 6, 16 through uh, uh, 7, or through 19. And there are six things that God hates, yes, seven, which are an abomination to him. And at that point, everybody is just like, ooh, you know, and, and, and you're look, reading these things. And I'm like, okay, now put your place 
are you one of these? Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, um, a hand that sheds innocent blood, a heart that devices wicked plans, feet that run rapidly toward or to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. I'm like, there's another 43 verses that we could go through. Idols and material things used to make idols in Deuteronomy 7, um, 25. God hates. Blemished sacrifices. We go to... Uh, um, You know, uh, down here, number 42 on, on my list here was in Malachi. You go to God hates divorce. God hates um, false oaths. oaths. The sacrifice of the wicked. The ways of the wicked. And, and, and of course, I did the, the church pastor thing, you know. God hates sin so much, this much, that he sent his son to die. He hates it. You know, and then, of course, we looked at the word hate in the biblical translation of the word hate, which means that he separates himself from. And then it made sense to him. God cannot be with sin. God hates sin. And people started looking at it going, you know, I don't know about this God of the Bible. And, and uh, um, I, I, I got to really look at this because I'm, I'm struggling with this, this God. And, and, and I'm like, good. I want you to struggle with it. I want you to ask questions. I want you to challenge yourself and go, why do you believe what you believe? Why is it that you believe? And if you don't have an answer for it, what good is it? And the last one here, <clears throat> number six, far as we made it and as far as we're going to make it today um, each one of these other ones I, I, I've gone through and over my, my, my lifetime which hasn't been all that long so I'm, I'm not claiming to be uh, old and wise and everything but uh, um, I've struggled through and so all those were, were sort of easy for me to get through because I struggled through them personally that God was sovereign he was the author of my salvation. He's merciful, but yet just. He disciplines me because he loves me. But he hates the sin that is within me that he sent his son to die for me. 
The last one that I struggled with was because I, I, I'm going to call it the boomerang slap. You know, you're, each one of those, you're sort of out there reaching out there and going, oh, okay, this one sort of came around and slapped me in my own face. Um, and that is God is king. He is the Lord. And, and, and as I started looking a little bit into that and, and, and as we were talking about it, you know, I asked the question, is God the king of your life? And what would that look like? And this is where it starts coming back on me and sit there and go, well, is God the king of my life? Do I act like he is the Lord of me? Or do I spend more time figuring out things to do for myself in, in my own self-indulgence than actually what that would look like? Because when, when you look at it and sit there and go, is God the Lord of your life? Does he have control of every aspect of who you are? And I looked at that and went, uh, well, not today. Not yesterday. The day before that, no. I had a few minutes in there. On, on a couple of days where I gave him control over how I was spending or what I was doing or, or you know, some minutes I put in there so that way he could have my morning or, or my afternoon. Um, I put a little bit in there that, you know, and, and, and we started looking at it and sit there and going, well, is God the king of our lives? And what would it mean for him to be king? All authority of and it took me back to uh, um, uh, one lesson that I gave a, a, a long time ago um, and uh, uh, I don't know if any of you have ever struggled through, through something you got caught up in a word um, the word that I was caught up in was doulos and, and, and it's a Greek word. Um, and and uh, if you ever read one of Paul's letters, it says, I, Paul, a doulos of God, or a doulos of Christ. Um, and, and, and I looked at that, and, and, and if you read the King James Version and, and the NASB, you, heard, you see that it is servant. Okay? Um, but yet, when I looked up the word, no place did it say servant. So I'm like, how are we getting this translation that it's a servant? And... And uh, um, when it doesn't give a definition of a servant, somebody who comes in and does something, then goes home and does whatever they want to do. And that's sort of our idea of what a servant is, somebody that willingly gives. But yet that's not what the definition is. Definition is is somebody whose will is bound to its master. Okay, going, my will can only do what he desires me to do. Ooh. And so I, I, I'm looking at that and, and uh, um, <clears throat> you know, back in the day um, when I was a young, young teenager, uh, there was another man that was struggling with this word, and, and he wrote a book about it, and that was John MacArthur. 
And uh, um, so I'm like, man, somebody else struggled with this too. And he said it was a life-changing point once he understood that we are not servants, but that we are slaves. Because the word there, and he went into the Greek and went, you know, um, doulos has never been translated as servant. There are these other six words in, in the Greek that are used to be the word servant. Doulos in every other location of the Bible is translated as slave. But yet in this one instance, it's usually translated as servant because of the connotation that goes with slavery. And so he brought to life, you know, the things I was struggling with sort of just came together. And it was sort of one of those aha moments where you're just like, oh, that's awesome. You know, and, and, and I'm looking at it and going, my will belongs to my, my Lord. Can I say that God is the king of my life? Because the Bible says that he is a jealous God. The Bible says he is the Lord. But how often do I make him the Lord of my life? How often at the end of the day can I look in the mirror and sit there and go, I was pleasing to God because I did his will. Throughout the day, who I talked about, how I spoke, how I spoke to my wife, how I spoke to my children, did I glorify God in what I was doing? And of course, I'm choking up up there going, oh my goodness, <clears throat> I fail. Because more often than not, I make myself the king of my life. More often than not, it's about me. It's about my desires. It's about my wants. It's about how I feel. And I looked at and sit there and went, how many of us have made God the king of our lives today? Where everything that we're doing, we do to glorify his name. Everything that we are doing is in with the intent of serving him. And I got to be honest with you. I struggle with that. Because I'm a selfish person. I look at myself and went, man, there's more times it's about me than it's about him. And I'm looking out there at everybody that's out there, and everybody's going, yeah. I haven't made God the king of my life. I don't even know what that means. Mm -hmm. 
We are called to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. And I believe that when we, 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 we looked at that and we, we're, we're looking at one another and going, man, how is it that I serve? Do I serve God and put him in his rightful place? I'm going to step back one, thing, one spot here. And one of the things that we talked about is, is we, we had father and, and, and friend. God is my friend. And I'm like, we treat God as a friend. You know how I treat my friends? When I need something, I call them up. When I need to talk to somebody, I talk to them. When I want to hang out with somebody, you know, you call them up, see if they're available. You throw something by them. You send them something on Facebook. You, you talk with them a little bit. Some, some friends are even deeper friends. You tell them your struggles and problems. Okay? And a lot of times that's where we end, is, is, is that God is just our friend. But the Bible says that he is the king. There's a difference between somebody that you hold their hand and walk through life with versus somebody that you're on your knees in reverence of. And I've gone through a lot of my life looking at God as just a friend, somebody that I can pile along with and, 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 and uh, be part. But I haven't spent enough time on my knees making God where he needs to be as the heavenly father and as the king. And usually when I'm on my knees and put God in his rightful place, which is up here, and I'm down here, things go well. I'm at peace. All the things of the joy, the love, the hope are all filled there. But as soon as I stand up and take God off, start putting myself up there, all that goes away and it's all about me again. Until he disciplines me, brings me back into place, and reminds me of who he is, the king of my life. So let's pray, guys. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just uh, thank you for uh, um, today. We just thank you for uh, the time that we were able to spend together. I just ask, Lord, that uh, um, you'll just be with us, that you'll just keep us safe as we go and, and out into the world and, and as we drive to uh, uh, home or to different locations, Lord, we just ask, Lord, that uh, you will just uh, um, put your hand of protection around us. I also ask, Lord, that you will just keep in mind that you are the God and that you are the king of our lives. And, Lord, that we treat you with the reverence and the respect that you so desire for us to do, that we make ourselves small so that you can be big in our lives. Lord, we just thank you so much for being an awesome God, for loving us, 
for taking care of us. And all these things we pray in your son's name. Amen.